Would you guys welcome Randy Bolt? Thank you so much. It's kind of a, a sublime torture to have to stand there and listen to somebody say these kind things about you that you know aren't true. But anyway, thank you so much. And uh, it really is a, a delight for us to be able to be with you this morning. And that's my wife right back there. Raise your hand, dear. There you go, yeah. So we, we spent uh, the 40 years of our pastoral ministry up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I, I know, don't, don't, uh, anyway, but we're from here. So we were, we were born and raised here in, in the South Bay and we got a chance to actually come home. So a year and a half ago, we moved back to Manhattan Beach and we actually live in my wife's childhood home. So uh, contrary to what they say, you actually can go home and we are grateful for that, the opportunity the Lord gave us. But um, the Lord still seems to be willing to use us, which we're grateful for. Uh, but one of the things we, uh, had determined when we were, when the Lord surprised us with uh, uh, his plans for our retirement was that we wanted to find, once we moved back here to the South Bay, find the youngest church planter that we could support. And uh, we wanted to just dig in. And by the way, you're giving me a chance to not have to be setting up this morning for a, a church. But um, we... Um, we were visiting here at the bridge and because we, we were... Uh, trying to, we really didn't know how to connect with uh, church planters in this area yet. And uh, so we happened to be here uh, uh, just over a year ago when you had a young uh, church planter here speak to you, uh, Marcus Rabb. And we connected with him, and so we've been working with them ever since. We've been, since last June, um, holding public services in, in um uh, a, a middle school auditorium, and uh, it's called Impact City LA is the name of our church. And anyway, I wanted to thank you for making that connection for us and for uh, your pastors to have had such a generous heart to give a platform to that young man and, and all that's going on. So anyway, thank you very much. And we feel connected to you and to what God is doing in your midst uh, for that reason, but for, for many others too, as we've learned to... Um, or have developed a friendship with uh, your pastors, your staff, and um, had the, I was talking to Fred a little while ago, is we had went through the visitors uh, class with him uh, for the bridge about a year ago or so. So we, we have made some connections and, and really are grateful to, for that and just excited about what God is doing among you. And uh, I really, really was so excited when <clears throat> Rob asked me to share with you this morning out of the second chapter of the book of Nehemiah. I thought he was telling me before that he was going to start this series uh, on, on Nehemiah. And uh, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And of, of the chapters in the book of Nehemiah, chapter two is my favorite. And he said to me, Randy, I'd like for you, I was wondering if you could uh, speak for me on, on this Sunday. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping, 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 hoping. And sure enough, I got to sign my favorite chapter. So this is, this is a cherry on top. And uh, I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles to that chapter, Nehemiah chapter 2. And if you've got an electronic version of your Bible, uh, your phone or tablet or something like that, and you can select the version, I'll be reading and the slides will be projecting uh, the words from the New King James Version, um, abbreviated NKJV. 
What I love about the book of Nehemiah is that it's such a, a glorious picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring, redeeming, rebuilding our lives. Um, Nehemiah's name means God comforts. And the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, and 16, they all refer to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. It's such a glorious picture of how the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene of the devastation of our lives, where our, our, the, the, our identity is broken down. You know, and, I, and uh, Rob did such a wonderful um, uh, job last week of setting all this up and introducing you to Nehemiah, and then much more than that. I listened to the podcast. Well done. I took some notes too. <clears throat> but what happens is Nehemiah is um, drawn to the fact that his people are living in a, a place where their identity is torn down. You know, you're the I know there are places in the United States where people don't live with fences around their homes. I have never lived in that environment. So a few years ago, we had a windstorm in our neighborhood and our fences were blown down at our house up in the Bay Area. And I felt like that dream we often have where we're, we go outside to go to the store and we realize we don't have any clothes on. Maybe it's just me that has that dream, I don't know, but Anyway, it, it felt really, really weird and, and not only exposed, but like, where is, where's my property? You know, what defines me? The wall around the city of Jerusalem, the wall around ancient cities defined that city. And without, with that gone, the rubble of that just everywhere, the identity of the people of God was in ruins in a way. And then they're exposed to all kinds of uh, predators and, and uh, uh, forces that are working against them. It's just a mess, you know. And some of us in this room know what that's like to look at the rubble of what your life should have been or could have been or once was and think, this is, this is who am I? This is hopeless. But we are not without hope. We have the comforter. God himself, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who shows up to restore, redeem, and rebuild. And a lot of us here this morning know what that's like, too, to see God do that wonderful restoration work. That's what I love about the book of Nehemiah. And here in chapter 2, we get kind of get to see the four... Um, characteristics of not only Nehemiah, but the one he represents, the Holy Spirit, and how he works in our lives. And uh, I'd like to begin reading at verse 5 of chapter 2. Um, Nehemiah has heard the report of, of how bad things are in Jerusalem. His heart has moved towards, uh, towards his people, and he wants to do something about it. And he comes to the king and says this, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may, be, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? 
So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Just notice here, before we go further, that uh, the king doesn't dictate how long this is going to take. Now, I don't know if you're in a situation where you have people who uh, you oversee, either in business or in some other format, but usually you don't just give them carte blanche. You don't just say, okay, take all the time you need, right? But that's what's happening here. It's Nehemiah who sets the time, and we'll come back to that. He says, how long do you need, the king says. And Nehemiah says, this is what I need. Verse 7, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they may permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So he's asking for authority to travel um, from where he is in Persia to uh, Jerusalem, to Palestine, but he's going to have to pass through territories under the control of King Artaxerxes, and he wants to carry with him letters giving him the authority to pass through. Verse 8, and a letter, I also want a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So he says, and here's, all, here's another thing I want. I want time. I want authority. I also want resources. I want you to give me permission to be able to get what I need in terms of timber and other, uh, other building materials so I can do the job. Then verse 9. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Get this. Now the king had sent, capt had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. He's like got the military with him. This is, you know, he's, he's got the whole force and power of the might of King Artaxerxes behind him. Verse 10, then when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, these are the bad guys in the story, uh, when they heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. We have a bad guy in our story too. And he's also quite disturbed that the Holy Spirit has shown up to do the work of God in our lives. I love that. I love that. I'm very, I'm okay with the devil being disturbed. Amen. All right, let's go back through this just uh, for a few minutes and kind of parse this out a little bit. The Holy Spirit shows up on the, the, at the building site of your life and mine where there's so much work that needs to be done. Where so much uh, devastation currently exists. And he has been given the time to finish what he starts. Now, I, there was a time when Sue and I, we, we, through our pastoral ministry, we planted two churches. And the second of those churches, I uh, went to work for, we were uh, planting a church in San Jose in Silicon Valley. I went to, church, uh, went to work for one of the um, big tech companies there uh, to help support my family while we were planting the church. And as part of the, my job there, 
um, the company had brought in a, a consultant uh, firm from Australia to do these assessments of all of the employees. And, um, you know, some of you have been through that kind of thing. Uh, the goal was to try to make sure that the company, our manage, the management was um, uh, appropriately relating to the employees so that we were thriving and doing our best work. So I got called in after all this was done, and it was very complicated, but, but when it was all done, I got called into my manager's office, and they gave me this whole report on me. But um, she said to me, she said, Randy, the, the consultants told me that you're a finisher. I'd never heard that before, but just the sound of it, I loved that. It seemed to be like, yes. And she said, she said, you're a finisher, and they told me that if I want to bless you, I need to give you a job that you can, you can start and take it all the way till it's finished and give you all the time you need to do the job well. And I was melting. I was like, oh, please. That fit me so much. I, I, that's, that's what I am. And uh, she began to make those adjustments in how she managed me, and it was great. But for me to think about the Holy Spirit's work in my life, I almost always want him to be doing things quicker than he is. Have you noticed that? I get a little impatient sometimes that things aren't moving as quickly as I'd like them to move. But you see, the Holy Spirit has all the time he needs and he's not lollygagging. It's not like he's, you know, kick back, popping grapes in his mouth while you suffer. But he's doing a, uh, he's doing a work that will be finished. He will, he's making sure that nothing gets left out, nothing gets skipped. We don't, we don't just settle. He wants to do a good work. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The little book of Jude uh, in the New Testament, verse 24, says now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Faultless? Come on. Holy Spirit, take all the time you want, all the time you need, that I can be faultless. And then get this, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is like, it's like... Um, you're looking, you think you're looking through a glass. It's transparent. And you're seeing the glory of God and wondering and marveling and, and uh, delighting in that. And then all of a sudden you realize it's not translucent. It's a mirror. And I'm actually looking into the reflection of, what, of the glory that I'm starting to reflect of the God of God's. I am starting to look glory to glory, bit by bit, uh, day by day. I'm starting to look more like him. Wow. I don't, 
On second thought, I don't want this snappy slipshod deal. I want, take the time you need Jesus. Holy Spirit, do a complete work in me. Sue and I, when we moved uh, back here in uh, 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 18 months ago, we uh, did a big remodel on, on the house we're living in. And um, they forgot to tell us that it always takes longer than you think. But I'm glad that they, we didn't have to rush them and that when we moved in on day one, it was finished. And that's the kind of work the Lord is doing in our lives. Second thing I want you to notice out of this passage is that the Holy Spirit has the authority to overcome every obstacle because you know that there are things in the way uh, of getting us from start to finish. There will be obstacles along the way. We um, had, you know, with the city of Manhattan Beach, we had a bunch of obstacles they threw up at us when we decided to make this, this uh, remodel. But you know what? They approved our plans, and when they stamped approval on those plans, now nothing can stand in our way including our neighbor. <laughs> and I had a little run in with him, but I said, you know, because he's going he's gonna to go to the city council and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, you're welcome. You're this free country. You're welcome to do what you want. But I have plans stamped with the approval of the city of Manhattan Beach. And when Nehemiah showed up in Jerusalem, he had letters from the king that said he gets to do this. And when you encounter obstacles, when it seems like the movement of your life, the progression of God's work in your life runs up against opposition, runs up against an obstacle, it, something you can't figure out how to get over around it, there's a way, and he has the authority to bring breakthrough. And I'm so thankful to God for that. Uh, we, when we were pastoring in uh, the Bay Area, we had a lot of uh, police officers, law enforcement people in our church. And, um, you know, they're just regular people. But they stamp that when they, when they put the badge on that says, I have authority from whatever agency is backing them. It's like you want to step back, right? The Holy Spirit has the authority to do what's needed Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us about the authority that Jesus has. And, and in John chapter 14, it says that uh, that authority is administered through the Holy Spirit, the third person. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the third thing I want you to see out of this passage is that Nehemiah had the resources to do things right. You know, now there's only so much money that we had to spend on our Remodel, And so we would get these calls often because we were doing this long distance, right? So we'd get the call from the contractor. He said, do you want this or that? And I would always say, well, how much is this as opposed to how much is that? And we were almost always settling for that, right? Because we couldn't afford it. The Holy Spirit never has to make that choice with you. 
His work in your life is always top drawer. I will never live down the fact that we didn't get a soaker tub in my bathroom. My wife lets me know that every single day. <laughs> but that was one of those things where we had to settle for that, not this. But that's not the truth in the Holy Spirit, of, of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's not a verse that we take to say, I get whatever I want. It's a verse that says that God gets whatever he wants. He doesn't have to settle for anything. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good Finally, the Holy Spirit shows up as Nehemiah did in Jerusalem to do the work of restoration that was needed there with the power to triumph over opposition. There's a difference between authority, which we've already talked about, and power. Authority is the right to do something. Power is the might or the ability to do something. The Holy Spirit has both. Now, this is gonna be just a little bit but it's in the Bible, and I think it's important for us to take note of. I want to talk to you about the angelic hosts that are at God's disposal in the work he's doing in your life. Now, I'm not giving you permission, nor does the Bible, to start having conversations with, you know, angels and start, you know, down that weird path. But to not acknowledge that part of our omnipotent, the way our omnipotent, all, that means all-powerful God, is at work in our lives is through these beings that we don't know a whole lot about, but they are there and real. You know, there was this um, occasion that the, that the book of 2 Kings records for us in verse 6, where, or chapter 6, where... Elisha, the prophet, has been um, receiving words of knowledge from the Holy Spirit about what the king of Syria has planned, and he would tell the king of, uh, and the leaders of Israel what the Syrians were going to do before they did it. And eventually, the, the, Syrian, the king of Syria got so ticked off, he called his leaders together and said, which one of you is a spy? Because the Israelites always know what I'm going to do before I do it. And they said, well, nobody here is a spy. It's that, it's that prophet, Elisha. He's the one who's hearing from his God about what we're doing in advance. And the king said, well, go get him, bring him to me. We've got to stop this. And so the military forces of the king of Syria showed up and surrounded the city where uh, Elisha was, the city of Dothan. And um, that morning as they were laying siege to the city, Elisha's servant wakes up. Yeah, you know how it is. Goes to the window, opens the window, and he sees that they are surrounded by a military force. And he says, uh, Elisha, we have a problem. Verse 16 of chapter 6 of 2 Kings says, so he answered, Elisha answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. There's a lot going on behind the curtain. A lot that we don't see with our eyes, but is very, very real. And in ser- God has forces in service of his will in our lives. I remember hearing a story that I'm sure isn't true about a family uh, on a trip somewhere in a minivan and must have been a snowy, well, it would have been a snowy uh, road condition that the van slips off the road and they come just short of hitting a tree that would have uh, done not only damage to the vehicle but to the people inside. A little kid jumps out and says, wow, that was a skinny angel. And I don't, like, yeah, I'm sure that didn't happen. But you know what? We've all experienced things like that. I had a friend once who was a, she was a very well-known, I mean, she's still my friend. I didn't mean to sound like she's gone. She's still my friend. And she, but she was a um, very well-known um, gospel recording artist, vocalist. And one time I noticed on the liner notes, do you guys even know what a liner note is? You know, on vinyl records, they had, the, well, never mind. Anyway, so uh, I noticed on the liner notes of one of her albums that she had given credit to a single name. You know, like, uh, you know, these fancy people, they don't need to have two names, they just go by one, you know. And I thought, well, who is this? I never recognized, I didn't recognize the name. I, I got her alone. I said, hey, who's this? I don't remember the, the name, but let's just say Sally, okay? Who was this Sally on your, on your uh, uh, credits? And she says, well, you're gonna think I'm nuts, but that's my guardian angel. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then she told me the story about how ever since she was a little girl, and there are, there are hints and we'll read some in a minute. There are hints in the Bible that there are, there are angels that have been assigned to us. I'm not going to go any farther with that, and you shouldn't either. But somebody had told her that as a little kid, and she, she thought she knew the name of her guardian angel. And she said, we were in the studio, and we did this, we did this song. We're back in the control room listening to the feedback, or to the playback, not feedback, playback. And she said there was a part being sung that none of us sang. And look, I don't know if that was some sort of harmonic distortion or something like that, but for her, it was a real deal. I don't know, but I'm beginning to appreciate the fact that there's a lot more going on than I know about. And in God's plans for me to imagine that there are forces greater than the forces that oppose me aligned with the work of God in my life, that's pretty, pretty cool. Matthew 26, 53, do you think that I, this is Jesus talking, do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? That's 72,000 angels. If the son of God, the son of God said, you know what, I could, There's that many angels at my disposal right now. Hebrews 1.14, are they not all, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? That's you and me. 
Psalm 91.11, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. When the Holy Spirit shows up on the site of your life, whatever state of disrepair exists, he has all the time he needs, all the authority he needs, all the provisions, resources, supplies that he needs, and all the power. And you and I are the recipients of an amazing grace. And today as we wrap this up and I'll ask the worship team to come back, I'd like to just invite you to stop thinking of yourself outside of that frame, that picture. You are in the middle of that picture that we've just been talking about. God's eye is on you. His hand is on you. His heart is toward you. His thoughts are for you. And he is, gonna, he is relentless in his pursuit of his will in your life. Take comfort and encouragement from that. God bless you.